Good morning. You are enjoying visiting with each other, I can tell. Would you stand as we begin our time of worship? It's a beautiful morning to worship the Lord and to sing together. So let's stand as we do. It's a to be a vessel you were 
Would you join me in prayer? Father, thank you for this day. And I pray that the words that we have sung already this morning are near and dear to our heart. That this morning we come to worship you. We come to be more like you. To be formed in your image. The image of your son, Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that uh, the songs that are sung this morning, the words that are, are spoken in prayer, in special. And Father, the message from your word will speak to each one of us because we all know that we have different needs. And yet the power of your spirit as we sing and as we preach, and Father, it touches us in different ways. And I pray we'll be listening this morning. We will hear powerfully from you that we will experience your son, Jesus Christ, and the power of his spirit. So help us to move everything else out of our minds this morning. We concentrate upon you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being at First Baptist Church, Sun City West. We are excited that you're here. And uh, lots of smiling faces out there. And if this is the very first time you've been here and you've never filled out one of our guest cards, we'd love for you to take the opportunity to do that. You probably received a red folder when you came in. If so, if you haven't already filled out that card, do it during the service. There's one in the pew just right in front of you. And if you would drop into one of the four offering boxes we have at the exits, we would certainly appreciate that so we can acknowledge your being with us this next week. I believe that uh, it is a great time for us to continue to sing and praise Jesus. So let's do that. That's Miss Nancy. I know I ask you to stand on the first set, but we're about to sing Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. I don't think we can sing that as well sitting. So would you stand as we sing?
as we continue singing Onward Christian Soldiers. Onward Christian Soldiers Marching as to Good morning. You see in your bulletins that Frank Bush was supposed to be doing the deacon prayer this morning, but Frank was uh, in the hospital this last week, and so he's unable to be here. So I'm going to step in and do it for him. So would you join me in prayer? Father, we ask you to be with us at this time. As Pastor Kennedy brings your message, Lord, that you've laid on his heart for us today. Father, we ask that our hearts be opened, our ears be opened, and that we take it with us each and every day as we go forward from this place. And Father, we ask a special blessing on those of our members and our friends who are not well, that need your healing hand on them, Father. 
that they would be brought back to our midst and that we would be able to fellowship together again soon, Lord. We pray for them. We pray for healing and protection for them. We just ask you for continued blessing on the service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
cattle belongs to the Lord. Do you believe that? Then let's sing. Protect you wherever 
Good morning. Our scripture reading for today is from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. Please follow along on the screen and be blessed by the reading. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in our heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. We are uplifted by the sharing of these words, because these are the words of the Lord.
We've been on a series on temptation. The last, uh, this is the fourth week. Today I wanted to address the topic of the key to overcoming temptation. Temptations, it's tough. As you reflect back over your life, um, I've asked the staff this question, but uh, have, you, have you ever been tempted? <laughs> and then the question that I have asked that we're still all pondering is, what is the greatest temptation that you've ever faced? And how did you address that? Temptation is constantly before us. Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, said there is this ongoing battle. The things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things that I do, or should do, I don't do. It's a battle of, of the idea that there's this desire that we want to do to be like Christ, and yet we, we keep fighting this, and, and we do the other things, and vice versa. And I think Paul just is transparent there to give us an understanding that that is true for each and every one of us. The Christian life is real, it's challenging, it's difficult, and it's dangerous because we are in the midst of a conflict. The phrase, let go and let God, can be very misleading. And as we use that, it's one of the Christian cliches, it's got to let go and let God. And it gives us this sense, or potentially suggesting, that that is a quiet, passive Christianity which passes through life with comfort and ease. And in many ways, we are, in America, taught that way. We, we've grown up that way, especially in the South, where... There's a church on every corner, and that's just the way you grew up, and, and everything was just, was just right. And it ought to be smooth sailing. And there are preachers today that tickle the ears that talk about everything that you could have in victory, if you just claim it. They really don't talk about the spiritual warfare that we face. And so it's good for a while, but then when somebody comes up against an incredible temptation or there are things that happen in their life that makes their life fall apart, they're left with many questions. New Testament Christianity, which is the real thing, is very different than that smooth comfort, ease of living. Our brief years on earth present this understanding of a constant battle. And in preparation, we continue to fight that battle as we look forward to what God has for us in eternity. And we always talk about eternity and how we long to be there. And why is that? Because this is a tough life. And it's not tough just in living, but it's the spiritual aspect. It's the fiery darts that Satan throws at us. So only a sufficient source of strength and only an adequate supply of protection can make us victors in this fight that we are in here in the flesh and blood. 
So we are in a superhuman battle against a supernatural foe. And the only way that we're going to stand our ground, no less than prevail in that battle, is to fight with the weapons given to us by God. Because that, that superhuman, supernatural foe is not co-equal with God, as I said last week. But he is powerful. Victors in temptation overcome only by the weapons and through the weapons that God gives us and provides us because they know those weapons. They know the power and the strength of the enemy. And that gives us the key to overcoming temptation. Is the idea and the understanding that we cannot do it ourselves. We mistakenly think, of course I can battle Satan. I've got the power of God's Spirit living in me, which is correct. But Paul goes even farther with that. So, the Apostle Paul in this passage, verses 10 through 13, tells us three things, two of which I'll mention. Overcoming temptation requires adequate preparation. We've got to be prepared. Years and years and years ago, I remember um, being mentored by someone, and, and they, they said, in the, in the realm of temptation, you already have to have in mind exactly what you are going to do when you're tempted in these various ways. In other words, there's already got to be a plan in place. I can't wait till I'm tempted and say, oh, let me think about what I'm going to do because more times than not, I'll fall. And I have found that as great wisdom through the years. If I've already got a plan in place, if I'm tempted in all these various different ways to automatically move to that plan, which is trusting God, but there's a sequence that goes with it. Like Daniel, when the temptation comes, we swiftly run. <laughs> we move away from it. We get away from it. So, overcoming temptation requires adequate preparation, which means that we must understand the source of our preparation. Paul says in verse 10, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Literally, this means that we're to be strengthened by the Lord and in the Lord. Now, what does that mean? Strengthened in and by the Lord. We have the power of his spirit living inside of us. But I will tell you that the source of our enemy for spiritual warfare must give us an understanding that we must go at this from a source that is outside of ourselves. Because Satan can throw his fiery darts and cause us to stumble and fall. And you and I know if we look in the mirror we have seen that happen through our lives, correct? Because I don't see anyone in here sinless. And so we have the capability of doing that. We, we don't get so biblically sound that we can just think we can do it ourselves. All that was within us. So that supernatural power, that source must come from outside of us 
to, to fight this spiritual battle. And I believe that that is profound in my mind. Because most of us, what happens is that we, we put things in place and we think, I can battle whatever temptation might come my way. Our preparation for spiritual warfare is an appropriation of dynamic energy beyond ourselves, and that comes from God alone. The battle we, in this battle, we can quickly come to an end of our own resources. I can tell you that uh, we've been, uh, Friday and Saturday, been moving my oldest daughter and her husband and their little twins into a new house that they just bought. And... Um, it is 113 degrees outside. <laughs> and so Friday, he and I, in our trucks, we're putting all these things in. I can't tell you how many trips we made back and forth. And I tell you what, I just got more and more tired. Eight hours into it, I told him, I said, I'm done. <laughs> and then we started again yesterday. We, we get to a place where we're just done with our own power and energy. So... We must enter this battle with the vigorous strength of God, God's power and strength alone. That means we must depend on what is from the outside, from God, to help us get through. It's not one of those things that says, ah, you know what, we can just somehow work through it. We pull ourselves up from the, from the bootstraps and we can, we can just make it through. No, we will fail. We move into the battle as if surrounded by this uh, uh, spherical um, shield or, or maybe uh, a good illustration is a protective bubble of divine strength. We have to move into that in that way because otherwise those fiery darts will take right through us. And so the outside power that God gives us, it's like this protective hedge around us. And it doesn't mean that we won't be attacked. And what it means is that we're going, to, we're going to move into this battle with the source of power that we need. And that source must be sought daily. There is not a one and done allocation of resources from God. Day after day and repeatedly we enter into his strength that only comes from him. Every single morning, we've got to get up and say, God, I, I need your strength today. I've got to, I, I need to get through this day and the battles that I have that the darker forces are going to, to throw at me. Also, we must remember the scope of this preparation. In verse 11, he said, put on the full armor of God. Uh, there is an element of urgency in this. It's almost like this military command where he says, Put it on immediately. Put it on at once. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus knowing that they're going to be attracted spiritually and they're not going to be cheered by a lot of flesh and blood people either. And he said, you need to put on this armor of God and you need to put it on immediately and keep it on. There's no time for apathy. There's no time for delay because of the enemy's activities. The emphasis rests here on the comprehensive nature of the armor of God to be able to stand in the battle and to stand at the conclusion of the battle. The words 
alert, alert, uh, kind of uh, alludes to a, uh, a Roman soldier with his full complement of defensive and offensive weapons. And I think it's kind of interesting. <coughs> there's always wars. Jesus said there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, right? Well, at the very beginning, <laughs> it started with this conflict and this war and has continued on. In this life, there is, there is no peace except peace in Christ, and that is an inner peace that will bring us that joy. And that peace and that incredible faith as we walk through this difficult time in life. The meaning, I think, here is obvious. An unprotected body, believer, can be dangerous if you're not protected. Paul presents that in verses 14 through 18. He says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, for this is the word of God. The next two Sundays I'm going to, to speak on the armor of God. But I want you to understand here that, that the source and the scope of the battle in preparation, this is just the preparation for the battle, is so critical. And Paul is trying to emphasize that to the believers at Ephesus, but to us as well. And third, we must grasp the significance of the preparation. So we have the source, we have the, the scope, and, and now we have the significance of this preparation. We, uh, we lived in Florida for eight years. And uh, it's this time of year from about June through the end of October that is hurricane season. How many of you have been through a hurricane? Yeah, okay. They are joys, aren't they? <laughs> we, had, we had three hurricanes that over 13 months came Two of them direct hit with us, and we were 30 miles inland. And I tell you what, you always had to have these containers of prep for preparation if you needed to evacuate or if you were going to be without power for an extended time. You had to have all of these things that were going to, to help you. And so I, I believe the preparation is critical. And that's, that's if nothing was going to happen, but they were set aside. Paul's trying to get us to understand that we have to be prepared. We have to have everything in line because the devil schemes, as, as we see in verse 11, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He schemes. He thinks about how he's going to attack you. He figures out where your weaknesses are. He has a notebook on you. He looks at it. And he analyzes it. And he focuses upon every aspect of your life and says, Aha, I've got a place that I can come in and I can drive in that fiery dart. 
unless you're prepared, it's going to be a disaster. You see, we're not dealing with an impersonal conflict between an internal principle of evil of, and good within ourselves. It's not something that we just internally say, well, we just won't do that. We just we can think our, ourselves through that process. No, we are dealing with an external and powerful adversary who has access to us and superhuman intelligence in dealing with us. He knows you. He knows your number. And he knows your name. And he's devising plans, he and his evil forces. How can I best undercut them? I can't take them away from Christ, but I can sure put them off to the side. So they will not be an issue in my plan. The Satan uses various forms of craftiness and strategy and expert methods to tempt us. Spiritual warfare. It's called that for a reason. Warfare's hard. My dad didn't talk much about it, but in World War II, the battles, he was in the Navy. His other four brothers were in the Navy. He's, it, was, it was tough. And he wouldn't reveal a lot, but it was tough. And why would we think that spiritual battle is any different than that? It's constant, constantly striving to be alert and not at ease in Zion. In the face of this, though, God desires us to take our stand. For each of us, we have a critical place to be in this battle. <coughs> did you understand that that each of us has a critical place to stand in this battle it may be different than somebody else but this spiritual battle that satan is waging is not just about us individually it's he he believes still in his mind that he can be on the throne of the God of the universe. And his plan is broad and mighty. And his demonic minions can go in and do whatever they can to undermine what God is striving to do. And we all know how it ends. Somehow Satan has blocked that out of his mind because he continues and continues and continues in this intense battle. But God says, you have a place in it. It's critical, and I need you to stand. I need you to be prepared to stand in that way. We find that, uh, that God desires that we, we take that place and we hold it. That position may be standing for Christ in our home. It might be standing for Christ in our family when it is a conflict. It might be standing in our neighborhood or in our community as the, the light of the gospel in the midst of darkness. It could be standing at the church. It could be standing in your job. It could be standing in your club. Whatever you're doing, 
He says, listen, I have a place for you. I need for you to stand, and it's critical in this battle. And I need you not to be set off to the side as a fan, but rather engaged in the battle. And only God will enable you to take that stand. Only he, only he will be able to help you not only take that stand, but to hold it and not be deterred and, and not be put to the side. To be empowered by him in the midst of the darkness that we face. He tells us that we must have adequate preparation. That's the key to overcoming temptation. He also says overcoming to temptation requires an appropriate identification of the enemy. We must understand the nature of temptation. In verse 12, he says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Now, what he's saying there is that don't look at all the events of life, you know, and, 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 uh, and say, well, that's just the way it is. The, a lot of that is that way. It's just the way life is. Sin from the garden all the way to now has corrupted so many things. And so there are many things that just happen because of, of our sin or somebody else's bad choices. They said, I want you to understand as a, as a spiritual follower of Jesus Christ that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. There are spiritual forces that are pushing evil in this world. So we must have the armor of God because we are not engaged in this hand-to-hand -hand combat with just a mere human foe. We are not wrestling with the physical, intellectual, and spiritual limitations of mere human beings. The consequences of losing our spiritual, to our spiritual enemy is far worse than being pinned in a wrestling match. Which, by the way, when I was in middle school, happened to me. But I got up and got my pride back later. So that wasn't a big deal. But if we lose to the spiritual enemy, it is devastating. It's devastating to ourselves. It's devastating to our family. We could find ourselves destitute. We've got to find ourselves in a place we never thought we would be. We find ourselves... By our, with afflictions, with a diminished fellowship with God because we have, we have moved away from Him. We didn't trust in Him. We can't lose this spiritual battle. We are here to win it. And it can't be just a, a cheerleading thing that says, go get them, you know? Because those kinds of things, they dwindle because it's emotional. God! will empower us to overcome it and to sustain it and to hold it if we let him. <coughs> Secondly, we must understand our enemy. He says, we, we 
Do not battle against flesh and blood. Military strategists through history have embraced this proverb before heading into combat. It says, if you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb to every single battle. And I thought it was interesting, as you look at the military strategies, not just of our country, but countries around the world that have adopted this focus, they focus on knowing your enemy. It's one of the critical elements of warfare. And it is no less critical for us. Some people say, well, Satan is just this concept. And so, you know, yeah, there's darkness around, but it's just this spirit of, of conflict. Some believers don't believe in a personal devil. I forget, there was a research just recently, and I was astounded. The, the, the percentage of people that did not believe in a personal Satan. In fact, interesting enough, I asked the question, does the church of Satan worship Satan? So I went to their website, and here's what they said. No, we don't. <laughs> Satanists are atheists. We see the universe as being indifferent to us, and so all morals and values are subjective human constructions. Our position is to be self-centered, with ourselves being the most important person, in parentheses, the God, of our subjective universe, so we are sometimes said to worship ourselves. Satan to us is a symbol of pride, liberty, and individualism. We do not believe in Satan as a being or a person. Isn't that interesting? <coughs> And I went into this thinking, yeah, they probably worship Satan, but no. <laughs> no, they don't. The church of Satan doesn't. There are those who do worship Satan. But the church of Satan, not so much. In contrast, the apostle Paul says in verse 12, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Here he parades this entire army of hostile spiritual forces that are before us. There are ranks and there are assignments in this army of darkness. And they are marching forward to do everything that they possibly can to try to move us to the side as believers in Christ. And for those who are not believers in Christ to continue to have them blinded. The words emphasize the tyrannical strength and hardness of the spiritual sovereigns in the dark world. The words we see, their seat of power is not located on earth, and although they are not and do not belong to the heaven of God's throne, they're nevertheless more than earthly in their origin and their power. And so they are not God, and they are not human. But they are spiritual forces of evil. 
and they continue to come and knock. And if we try to just put that out of our mind, then we are going to be blindsided. And so we must come to this idea and this understanding that we are in the midst of a spiritual battle. And so we, we have to understand what we're up against, and we have to understand our enemy. And last, he says, we must understand the time of the conflict. You know, not every day is equally a day of battle. We don't battle all the time like this. It's, there is a, a day of evil, the scripture says. In fact, if you, look, if you look at verse 13, the latter part, he says, and when the day of evil comes. So Paul's saying, okay, this isn't a constant 24 hours a day, but when the day of evil comes. Fortunately, God's strength is always equally available to us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, anytime. As an equal blessing, our spiritual enemy does not attack equally every day. He does depart for a season, but he returns. And he returns to fine tune with his schemes and his plans to try to set you aside. For those awful, evil days of attack, it's hard when you're constantly being bombarded with these thoughts that are not correct. This delusion of what God is because he hasn't helped you in this time or in this way, how you have achieved that. There's so many ways that he attacks us. For those days, we must be prepared in advance. For those, for those awful days of attack, here's what he says in verse 13. For those awful days when he attacks, he says, after you have done everything to stand. In those days when those fiery darts are coming at you, one time after another, after another, and another, when the smoke clears as such, and you have done everything to hold on to your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and to advance the kingdom, to stand in that way of being a light no matter who attacks you, he says, when you have done everything to stand. There are bright days of advance, which we sure can enjoy and advance some, and we take some ground in our spiritual lives against those that are evil. And on those days, a man or woman has been a, a spiritual hero, simply to stand firm when attacked and not being dislodged somewhere or moved back or taking a step back. Not apologizing for being a believer in Christ. However, those manifestations of the spiritual battles and the, and the, uh, the, the, the flaming arrows come at us, he says, listen, when the smoke clears, if you have stood your ground, you you are to be congratulated because you depended upon the power of God from without to strengthen you from within to stand.
show. Some people blame every sin, every conflict, every problem on demons that need to be cast out. Others completely ignore the spiritual realm and the fact that the Bible tells us that we are in the midst of a spiritual battle against dark spiritual forces. And I believe that the key to success, to overcoming temptation, is finding a biblical balance. To be prepared and to know who is the one who empowers you with spiritual strength. And to know who your enemy is and to understand that it's not just what you see in front of you there is so much more so that when those attacks come and you know they are spiritual attacks you're able to withstand them the apostle paul instructs believers to wage war against sin in themselves out of Romans 6. So this idea and understanding that, okay, I have the problems because I am submitting to the temptations. I'm the one that's sinning. He says, you've got to wage that war in yourself. You, you've got to have that understanding of what, what is right and what is wrong, and you choose what is right. And so he says, listen, you, you have to wage war against that that sin in yourselves. And then he says and warns us in this passage in Ephesians that we're to oppose the schemes of the devil. And I promise you, if you focus on prayer, and one of the things that he mentioned in dealing with the armor of God, at the very end he says, Pray in the Spirit. If you're praying, and you're intent on that, I promise you that God will let you know if what is happening to you is a spiritual attack or if it's continual war on yourself, inside yourself, you're having to try to decide, man, should I look at that screen or not? Should I make that comment or not? Should I argue that point or not? Should I think about that person in that way or not? These are the things that we have to deal with. But what we can be assured is the temptation is there. And the key to temptation is to prepare yourself. The key to temptation and overcoming temptation is to know that spiritual battle and rely upon Almighty God. Because if we let our guard down, He will find that weakness and He will attack. Father, as we move into our time of invitation, our, our prayer is very simple. Give us an understanding 
because temptation is everywhere. We know that. And we know that the devil has his schemes and, and, and spiritually for us, if, if we're not empowered by you, we understand that we, we could submit to those temptations, but what your desire is, is in the middle of this spiritual warfare and the temptations that come is to do the battle in our lives. Do the battle as the body of Christ and stand and remain standing. And that only happens by your power. So whatever decision we have to make today to, to adjust or to change our lives, maybe it, maybe it is to take this more seriously. And maybe it is to reflect upon how I can be empowered. I know I have your spirit. And I have it to the fullest, but, but God, I, I need to be ready so that when the temptation knocks on the door, I can turn my back on it. And I can rejoice in you. And I can remain at peace internally because I'm a child, your child. So whatever it takes, God, I pray that we'll commit ourselves this morning where we are, where we're seated. Father, other decisions that need to be made, we look forward to those. This is most important right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and let's sing our invitation. I have seated for just uh, just a moment we have a few things to share um, I want to thank the congregation for praying for our little four-month-old grandchild Hudson uh, he's gonna be just fine he does have a, a fractured skull but they say that will heal over time so that is good and while we do have some great uh, great cat scans of his entire little body <laughs> so so thank you for praying for him and pray that that will happen and also pray for Debbie Crump. Uh, Debbie lost her brother this morning. Uh, so, uh, Jerry, we appreciate you being here. And uh, just let her know we, we're praying as a congregation, okay? All right. Miss Nancy? There's an insert in your bulletin about dinner fellowship groups. If you have not taken opportunity to sign up for one of those groups, 
in either lobby. I encourage you to do that. We have a couple more Sundays, and that insert tells you about the different group types, how it's arranged, and I encourage you to be part of that. Our last day to sign up will be August the 20th. In the small lobby, there's a little box on the table. Ladies, you are encouraged to bring a baby picture of yourself and put in that box because a week from tomorrow at the Women's Fellowship lunch, there will be some exciting thing, I'm sure, done with those baby pictures. So you will get it back, but please take the time to bring one of your pictures and put it in that box. On Wednesday at 4 o'clock, we have a special guest speaker from Operation Christmas Child who will be telling us about some changes in that ministry from Samaritan's Purse. And you'll want to come with a covered dish at 4 o'clock and be part of the potluck dinner. Uh, there's a whole lot going on this coming week as well as the next weeks of August. But I want to draw your attention specifically to one on August the 27th. At 5 o'clock in the evening, we'll be in the CLC around the tables. There will be hymn books on the tables, and you get to choose your favorite hymn. Afterwards, we get to eat homemade ice cream, which I'm hoping you will be willing to bring. So there are sign-up sheets at both lobbies for you to indicate that, yes, I will bring some homemade ice cream, and we will just enjoy singing and eating. We've got that down pretty well, don't we? Doyle Miller is going to come and lead us in our closing prayer, and I encourage you to stand as he comes. I don't have any grandkids to sit on the freezer while I crank it. <laughs> Join me in prayer, please. Father, we come before you to honor and to glorify your most holy name. Father, we just thank you for the blessings you've given us to be able to come together to worship you, to sing your praise, and to study your word. We just thank you for being able to live in this country and we ask you to give us the strength to continue to fight to keep this country free. Yes. But Father, we just uh, lift up each and every one who is suffering from illness, Brother Frank, and also Brother Frank Bush, for those who have lost loved ones, for Miss Debbie, Father, we just uh, pray you give us strength to fight the battles that some of us may be in and that some of us may face in the future. We bring all this to you in your son's precious name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, go that way.